Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Just a quick reminder that if you have any questions or comments or theological questions in general, um, you can send those questions to ask ask at isunrise.org, and we will try to address those in this podcast format. So in today's podcast, we are covering the July 30th sermon titled, To Avoid Being Misguided. We are in 2 Peter. Uh, we finished up chapter 1, and let's start off with the video clip. It was interesting in that there were no words. It was very clear what you were doing with the video clip. But it was all just through action. No words were spoken. How did you decide to choose that clip? Well, um, I actually did a Google search for light shining in the darkness, because that's uh, essentially the phrase that Peter uses. And I had not seen that movie, The Batman, of uh, last year. And when I saw that clip, I just said, well, you know, that communicates it right there. And I love it that there were no words spoken. And it's one of the very first times that we've ever had a dark screen. Because when Batman lights that that flare and everything lights up, he can see what's in front of him. And he not only sees to accomplish something helpful in, in rescuing people, he leads them. And if we're going to see what's in front of us, if we're going to be able to navigate the darkness that we live in, it's going to take uh, something more than a flare. It's going to take God's Word. And so I think that's what Peter was encouraging them to do, not follow uh, cleverly devised myths or fables, those things that uh, people would use as a substitute, but instead the pure Word of God. Okay, so let me start off with this question, because when we were looking at verses 16 through 19, you mentioned that the word we in there first refers to the apostles, and then um, more specifically when they talk about we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, that's you know Peter, James, and John, so it's even a more specific subset of the apostles. That's right. But then once you get to verse 19, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed— to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. You said that that we refers to the apostles, but also to the recipients of the letter. It's a broader we. Exactly, exactly. And I I think the distinction there is, you know, some people place authority within the apostles themselves, their personhood. And it's important to know that while God used the apostles, what he has inspired and what he's put his stamp on are the writings, the the writings that we have in Scripture. Those are God-breathed. Uh, we looked at 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It is those writings that are God-breathed. Because when you think about it, not everything Paul or Peter spoke was inspired by God. In reading uh, 2 Corinthians, we end up... Uh, Reading between the lines, you can tell there was another letter that we don't have today uh, that is lost to to history. And for whatever reason, God chose not to preserve that writing because evidently that was not what the church 
needed. That was not inspired. That was not God-breathed in the way 1 Corinthians and our 2 Corinthians is. So I think it's important to know that while we respect these men and God greatly used them, what is God-breathed is the writings that we have. And, and I still have no problem using the terms inspired and errant as we have copies. Uh, because with the copies, we can we can get back to the original. We can get really, really, really close to the originals. But that's uh, some confusion there. People de- almost deify Peter in the way they might Jesus, and, and it's not the same. You know, when I was studying this for this message, I kept looking, and I couldn't find it, but I can remember in my uh, first year seminary, 1985, uh, Dr. Geisler did a comparison between Jesus, the Word of God, the Logos, and the written Word of God. And I made mention of that in my sermon, how the human agency in the written Word of God was the apostles, the human agency with uh, the Logos, the Christ, the Word, the human, the, the fleshly Word, was Mary. And uh, I couldn't find it, but Dr. Geisler made all of these comparisons, and it was really neat how uh, Jesus was the Word with us, tabernacling with us. And so um, that's a distinction there, though, I think that's important, that we have the writings are, are the God-breathed Word of God. Okay, so one of the things that... I know people who have had this question come up, and especially at DTS, when you're learning Greek and Hebrew, people want to get back to that original language so that they can read the Greek and the Hebrew and feel like they have the closest they can to the original manuscripts. But not everyone has the ability to learn Greek or Hebrew or to you know, study the, the text in that way. But we have things like the ESV and the NIV and the NASB. What encouragement would you give people that if you know the ESV is all they have, that's totally fine. And they still have the scripture as it's intended to be given. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Like, how can we have confidence in our translations to know that we don't have to go to seminary to learn Greek and Hebrew in order to get the inspired and errant word of God? Yeah. You know, this, this question came up in my fourth Hebrew course with Dr. Uh, Baptism. Because we were doing textual criticism, and we were we were really working hard to put things together. Because that's what we want to do. We want to get back to the original. And I think getting back as close as we can to the original is so so very important. But um, you know, God doesn't require all of us to learn Greek or all of us to learn Hebrew, and so we can have confidence that the scriptures we have give uh, an accurate understanding of the mind of God, and uh, thought for thought, we can embrace that with confidence. And I'll tell you, it's it's not only good translations like the NIV, the New American Standard, or the ESV. It's not just that. It's also what I would say the liberal translations are, b- because they keep each other honest. And, and so, um, you know, there are times, and I when when I was taking uh, Hebrew, that actually the Revised Standard Version better communicated to the English audience the thought behind the Hebrew. So so we've got people with different motivations that are 
It might seem like they're working against each other, but actually they're working for us. And so, um, you know, I try, I don't always do it, confession here, but I try to read in a more, uh, I'll use the term liberal translation when I'm working through a passage. I'll try to to at least look and, and acknowledge that and read it to see if anything stands out. Um, because both of them keep each other honest. You know, it's kind of like that you cut the, the sub sandwich and, and I'll take which part, <laughs> you know. It makes you're motivated to cut it more equal than if you cut it and get to take which part you want. And so I think that's the way English translations work. We have these various translations, and uh, some of them are definitely stronger than others. Uh, I just dealt with someone this week who was dealing with a paraphrase, and I had to explain to him a paraphrase that takes us out further uh, away from the original Greek and Hebrew because it's what one person thought this means when they read it in English. So uh, there's tools out there to keep us honest, and uh, I would have all the confidence in the world in the English translations. I'll tell you a bigger problem. A bigger problem is this. We read things that are not there. We, we, we allow our interpretations to come in before we observe what's there. One of the things you learn when you're uh, taking uh, hermeneutics is you learn there's observation, interpretation, application, and then correlation. And the longer you spend just observing the more accurate your interpretation will be. And what I find often is that people will start interpreting and they want to read their theology into the passage. The sermon from two weeks ago, I dealt with that. Because everybody reads that is, you'll enter heaven. And that's not what it says. It says you will have a rich entrance to heaven. And, And there's a difference there. And so that's that's a bigger problem than the translations we have is reading our interpretation into what we're reading. Eisegesis instead of exegesis, that's if right. we want to use the really fancy terms. That's right. Yeah, that's very helpful. Thank you for explaining that and giving us confidence in that, because I know sometimes it feels like we don't have enough if we just have the English. Like, we need the Greek and the Hebrew, but— And I got to tell you, I think some pastors— they refer to the Greek and Hebrew almost in every single sermon. And to me, if if you say, well, you've got it in English, but but here's what the Greek and Hebrew is really saying. And I know I do that some, but I try to keep that to a minimum. I try to make sure people can see it in English because what ends up happening, people can get discouraged and they can say, okay, well, if I can't read in Greek and Hebrew, why, why do I even try? I don't want to misinterpret something. Yeah. And, and I think one of the greatest thrills for believers is this. You read the passage of Scripture. You study it on your own. You come to church, and you hear the pastor teach, and he tells you the very thoughts that you had when you read the passage of Scripture. That builds confidence. And, and that's why I want people to know when I'm going through a book. I want you to be reading through that book as well. Read it through in different translations because— I want to confirm what God has already told you instead of trying to tell you some, quote, new thing, unquote. So I'm, I really hate it when, when guys, it seems they're undermining people's confidence in the English translations. And there's just no need for that. Right. 
Thank you for breaking that down. Very helpful. And thank you all for listening to another episode of Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. <laughs>